spirit friends welcome back to another episode of the spiritual gaze i'm one of your hosts angel and i'm your other host brandon and this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense no because nothing makes sense i mean but you know that by now don't you yeah Except astrology. Astrology does make sense. Astrology makes so much sense. Even though it doesn't make sense why it works, but no, it does work. But it's insane yeah. how well it works. I'm a little disturbed by it, honestly. Are you? Really? Yeah, I'm a little scared. Well, I'm a little scared. Have there been things happening in your life that have been too yeah. astrologically real for you? Yeah. Do you yes, want to share yes. what those are? First, I want to uh, introduce myself. Sure. I'm Angel Lopez. Hi. Hi, I'm a writer. I am a performer. I am an astrologer. I am a metaphysicist. A metaphysicist. Mm-hmm. I like it. And a teacher of metaphysical things. Metaphysicism? Of metaphysicism. Mm. Um, and I have a little bit of a frog in my throat right now. If um, you didn't notice. But it's very sexy. Is it? Yeah, I think it suits you. Yeah, you want me to use it more? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. Yeah. Who are you? Who am I? Well, my name, my Western name is, is Brandon Alter. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> Luca. Not a small Italian boy. Uh, I'm Brandon Alter. I am a non-binary queer spirit healer. I am a tarot reader, an astrologer. I am a writer, a songwriter, a performer, and a child of the earth. Oh, you sprung from the ground. Well, I mean, didn't we all? I guess, at least metaphorically, yes. Yeah. Well, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, if you've uh, never listened, this show is basically where we put just two different strangers each episode, <laughs> just come together, <laughs> pretend like they know each other, and they even call themselves husbands. Uh, we are husbands. Yes, we, we are. Have, uh, yeah, we're entering, uh, we'll be entering our well, our 13th year of being together. Yes. I guess we'll be entering our 14th year of being together later this year. I guess that's how it works. I don't know, everyone. I don't know. But what I do know is astrology is real, and I'm going to explain why. So basically, I think I mentioned this on the last episode that I was dealing with this like Chiron transit at zero degrees uh, of Taurus is where I have Chiron. And Pluto shifted into zero degrees Aquarius, just giving my Chiron a little square action and basically like the week it did that i started to have this like weird throat issue and it kind of came and went and then as it like really hit the direct degree of my chiron uh it amplified but i ultimately on that day got to go see a specialist and i had my throat scoped yeah we talked about this on the last episode yeah which was wild and the doctor was like your throat looks gorgeous everything's fine i was like yay i'm healing yeah and then it retro. Also, can we just talk about Pluto and Aquarius being technology? Technology, yes. And then Chiron and Taurus being throat yes. issues? Oh, exactly. Yeah. 
So here we were having just a perfect merging of that expression. And then I had that happen. And then for about a week, I was like feeling great. And then about four or five days ago, Thursday, and we're recording this on a Tuesday, I started to experience like this weird throat thing. And it kind of just felt like allergy sinus. Like I just get like dryness everywhere. But a different weird throat thing. But it was a little different. And then Friday I had like the most severe sore throat I've had since maybe I was a child. It was like more severe than when I had COVID. Like I was like, it was like swallowing nails. Like I was like, what the fuck is happening in my life right now? And I've been like dealing with this sore throat now, like all weekend and then today, I just have been like kind of hoarse now. Like the throat has kind of started to feel better-ish for the most. I mean, it's much better now. It's like maybe occasionally I'm like swallowing a staple. But like for the most part, it's better. But then today, it's just been like horsey. So. And does this coincide with Pluto now retrograding back closer to the exact degree? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's it. it yeah, I guess it is. And so now I'm waiting like with bated breath for it to go back. I thought the last degrees of Capricorn were tough because that was opposing my moon. But shit, I'd rather be like crying all day than dealing with knives in my throat. Anyhow, that is my testament to astrology. Hallelujah. I feel like you've kind of rolled into a check-in, so you might as well just keep going. (laughs) What else is going on with you besides... All your mysterious throat health issues. Hallelujah! (laughs) Astrology. I'm here to preach the gospel of astrology. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, everyone. (laughs) This is what it all comes down to. I'm just kind of losing it over here, but I'm doing it in in the most beautiful way, I feel. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like at times you just have to allow yourself to unravel a little bit. So that you can just like spread yourself out entirely on the floor and be like, oh, that's everything that is me. That's all the pieces of me. The pieces, the pieces, the pieces of me. You are a piece of me. (laughs) I miss American dream since I was 17. Um, No matter if I step on the scene or slip away into the Philippines. Still gonna put pictures of my derriere in the magazine. You want a piece of me. You want a piece of me. All right, we better stop before. I mean, literally, I could sing that whole song. Well, we we aren't playing the actual song. We could we could just do covers of Britney songs all episode. We nobody cannot. would pull us. Nobody would listen to that. I don't know. I actually think we'd pull in a lot of the Britney you audience. So? Perhaps they're desperate for content. <laughs> back to me before i was derailed by that actually gorgeous cover of, oh, thank you of britney's Spears thank you so much oh jesus this episode's gonna be such hell to edit um, <laughs> you said that last time i know but then you edited it and i was not this hell. one it was great well that's good to know i had a really good time i'm so listening glad. to it again and cutting out as much of you as i possibly could no, <laughs> Um, but anyway, no, all about I, Angel over here, <laughs> Angel Harrington over here, cute. Harrington Lopez, cute. Sorry, where was I? Oh, right. I, there were pieces of me, um, from an unraveling all over the floor in all like direct honesty. I mean, I do feel like I am just like at a, pl- like I'm at an okay place right now. Um, but I also feel like I'm at a bit of a standstill, but it's like not. 
like I'm recognizing that there's like no big wall in front of me anymore. You know, it's like I feel like especially with like my writing and my career stuff, I was just kind of like hitting a wall, hitting a wall. And now I've like gotten to this place where I'm like, oh, there are no walls. And I actually can just like kind of stand at this like mountaintop of my life and be like, okay, I'm just going to like feel the breeze and kind of get a sense of like, where does wind want me to go next? Where does spirit want me to go next? I feel like very open and in touch to that degree. So it's interesting that like physically my body keeps having all these issues and I feel like I'm supposed to just be really present with my body. So I've just been like really trying to focus on that right now because I'm like, okay, that's what spirit wants me to focus on is just like this body and trying to heal it. My mom also has been in town. She came into town coincidentally at the same time that my sore throat arrived in town. Um, They must have taken the same flight. (laughs) Um, No, the sore throat arrived on an earlier flight. I think it took a a red eye in on Thursday night. My mom arrived Friday evening. Um, My mom was in town for the weekend, which you know, full disclosure can be a bit of a stressful time for me um, just because my mom is a lot of energy usually. But my mom is actually going through um, some real health challenges. She, um, yeah, her body too is like really challenging her. And so it was like really interesting to kind of meet her at this really vulnerable stage and also me feeling, me feeling really vulnerable Um, I feel like it just kind of created this like beautiful union for us, you know, where we could just be like perfectly patient with each other and like really present with each other. And I was just like so glad to have her here and see her and um, make her breakfast every morning and just like even watch her like, you know, normally I would be really annoyed when she just would like sit at the counter on her phone, like watching like telenovelas like on her phone And then like talking to me as if I was watching it with her when I was like not. But I actually just found it so sweet and amusing and I found ways to engage. And yeah, and we also just spent like a really nice couple days with her. And she's here for the whole month, so she's kind of on a tour. So she's with my sister now. She's spending time with my aunt. She'll probably spend like a little more time with us Um, later on. We're going to do a little trip. Um, Me, Brandon, my mom and sister and my aunt and cousin, we're going to take like a few days away in a couple weeks, which should be really nice. So um, I'm looking really forward to just like getting to spend some like good quality time with her. And, you know, honestly, like we haven't always had like the best of relationships. And I kind of think there's like a lot of forgiveness work. I feel like I was talking about that and really needing to forgive myself. But I also think like I just need to forgive my mom for certain things and I've been like doing that for myself and I think I always put this pressure on it that like I have to have this big conversation with her but I've realized like I've actually had a couple of those conversations (laughs) from the past I'm like I forgive you for this and she's like I never did that and I'm like okay let's not go down that road and then just becomes a thing you know and then like two weeks later she calls me crying like I did do that I'm sorry you know or whatever or I'm like I'm sorry I was an asshole kid you know like we just have had those conversations but I'm realizing like those conversations didn't actually fully free me it's really about me and needing to just like 100% in my heart just like forgive and so I'm hoping that in this time I can like 
free myself from any forgiveness I have just like not fully allowed myself to move through around my mother, around my childhood. I know people, uh, any of you listening probably can relate to just like having perhaps like forgiveness issues with family members and Sometimes you don't even want to engage with the family member in the forgiveness conversation because you're like, I actually don't want to ever speak to that person again, but you still have to move through the forgiveness. So I guess if anything, I'm grateful that like I can move through that forgiveness process um, while also still engaging in a relationship with a mom who I really love and who really loves me. So that was my Rambling checking. I don't think that was rambling at all. I think that was a little bit of a masterclass. Rambling, 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 rambling. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. I think even like starting with this idea that sometimes you have to unspool yourself completely before you can gather yourself back up is really important. Yeah. We call that falling apart into place. Mm-hmm. But I also think what you said about your mom and about forgiveness is really important because forgiveness is something you do for yourself. It's not something you do for the other person and you actually don't need them present to do it. You don't even need them to know. I had that experience last year with my grandparents where I just, you know, did a couple of, it was, if you recall that (laughs) naked ocean ritual that I did. Oh yeah. And it facilitated my ability to forgive them in my heart. Right. And it just has completely transformed my relationship with them moving forwards, but they have no idea about it. I mean, maybe they can feel a shift, but like, they were not necessary. Their participation, their attendance was not necessary to my forgiveness party of them. Well, and I told them. Oh, I did. That explains a lot. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Brandon forgave you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so dramatic. Could Can you imagine? You imagine? <laughs> hey, FYI, Brandon forgave you. Yeah. Haven't you noticed that they've been much nicer to you recently? Yeah. It's because they forgave you. Yeah. I hope you feel it in your heart. Well, I liked having your mom here, honey. It was a lot of fun to have her in the house. Well, she loves you. Well, we're both Aquarians. We have a lot in common. Oh, my God. Yeah. The we both love you. TJ Maxx. Yeah, uh-huh, just chuckling at the counter watching Chrisley Knows Best. Oh, my gosh. I'd honestly never seen an episode of that show, <laughs> but she was just sitting there at the kitchen counter watching it, and I just pulled up a little stool next to her, and I had a great time watching that homosexual <laughs> pretend to be a heterosexual with a family. Allegedly. Allegedly. How are you, honey? Well, to be honest, I love Gemini season. You know, as an air sign in Gemini season, it always feels like coming home. It's my third house, so it's a very social time. Uh, lots of little short trips that we're taking, which is very third house. Lots so many of short trips. Conversation and connection. And I do feel a little bit of inspiration. I've got these three different kind of creative projects that I'm kind of juggling. I'm moving forwards with the musical in a really real way that feels really nourishing. I have this, uh, these two book ideas that I've been taking notes on and just kind of allowing to, just all three of them are kind of reflecting each other and, and that feels good while simultaneously still feeling all of the grief in my body. But I, I feel like while the grief is always present, it is not always the center of attention. It can sometimes just like accompany me wherever I want to go. But I've been also a lot better about like waking up in the mornings and doing either yoga or Pilates or going for a run. And whenever I'm alone with my body, it's just like I just can feel all of the grief that's still there. And this weekend, we're going to be going down to San Diego for 
my mother's unveiling, which is hands down the most dramatic name of any event that exists, an unveiling. But essentially, in Judaism, that's when you reveal the the headstone. And I guess traditionally, Jews are not supposed to go to the cemetery for basically almost a year. So then you go, and there's all these prayers, and there's this unveiling of of the headstone. So. I know that's going to (laughs) suck. I'm just like well prepared for that to be really hard. And it's crazy to think that like we are approaching a year. I mean, we're not there yet. Her actual day of death was June 24th. So we're a little before that, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. But my grandmother called me and she asked me if I would bring some stones because in Judaism, you place stones on the, the grave site, something permanent not like flowers, which are impermanent. And my friend Phoebe, who listens to this podcast, so shout out Phoebe. Hey, Phoebe. Cancer queen. She had brought me about a year ago all of these gorgeous stones from Maine and Canada where she grew up. And they've been here in the spirit room, just kind of in a bag waiting for their next chapter. And so when my grandmother asked if I would bring stones to the cemetery, I immediately was like, oh my God, those are the stones. And it just feels beautiful that Phoebe, who kind of like is our mom like we wanted to celebrate mother's day with her because we were like phoebe will you just be our mom please like those stones are gonna go on my mom's gravestone so i'm i'm not like looking forward to it but i also do feel like the nice thing about having access to a tradition or like a religious lineage is that you're not the first person to go through these gates of loss and so whatever this little ceremony or ritual is i am hopeful that it will bring some sort of healing or just further the process of of my grief along. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Do the stones live there forever or do they eventually get like taken away? It's a really good question because in, you know, like in Catholic at Catholic cemeteries. Yeah, they take the flower. Like every <laughs> yeah, week or every so week they like clear they take the, flowers. the flowers, which is how it makes sense, but do the stones stay there? Or? I hope so cuz these are some gorgeous stones. I'm going to ask my grandma. I'm also, and I also wonder, do like crystals qualify? I think no. I think it's supposed to just be like a rock. Like a rock. Yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be like a gorgeous amethyst. Okay. I think it's supposed to just be a rock. Got it. I was just curious. It just feels like your mom's space should be decorated with sparkly crystals. But I understand that might not be correct. Yeah. I don't know. But I will, I will ask because it would be a shame for these to be taken away. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I know it's going to be very emotional, but I'm uh, just looking forward to getting to um, spend some time in celebration of your mom. Is this the part of the episode where we just cry together? Yeah, but we'll cut it out. <laughs> we don't have to. If everyone wants to join us in a cry. Yeah, seriously. If you just like to. have needed an, uh, an outlet just or a space just to just like take a moment, feel your emotions and let them move through you. So I'll just take a deep breath together. <sighs> All right. Now back to your regularly scheduled Gemini season programming. Ooh, child. <laughs> Gemini season. Gemini season. She's wild. She's wild. She's so fun. She's very busy. She's very busy, but I've been appreciating it, honestly. I've enjoyed the distraction. Um, it's nice to like have other things to pay attention to. 
because as I just said, like when I'm alone with myself, it's just a, it's just a one woman show called the grief hotel. It's a beautiful show though. I watch it every day. Oh, well, it's a soap. It is a soap. It's a telenovela. The love, the love interest is so cute. Yeah, I thought it was a one woman show. No, oh, I've seen a love interest there. <laughs> they have dinner together and they like watch shows together. That's true. They sleep together. They do. And the love interest has all sorts of mysterious throat ailments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a mystery. It is a, it is a mystery. It's like a medical mystery. Yeah. It's this season's poker face. Which we never finished. No. But we will finish the grief hotel. Yes. Well, we have to. <laughs> we live it. Hopefully it has a happy ending. All right, duckies. Let's move on to this episode's Dose of Reality. Yep, you've been asking for it and it's back. Babies, we've been watching no less reality TV than we ever have. No, no, no. Some might say more. Uh, I'm trying to think. Actually, I don't feel like we've been watching more. I actually feel like we've been watching a little less. I mean, we've been watching Jersey. We have been watching Jersey. We've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars oh, and Drag Race Espana Season 3. I'm so glad that we signed up for it in real time. I am too. But that's kind of it, right? Is that it right now? Is that Oh, and The is? Real Housewives of Atlanta. And Atlanta. Which I have found to be a bit of a slow burn of a season, but I'm trying to stay engaged. It's fine. It's been fine. Yeah, it is fine. It has been fun. But, you know, like there are definitely like wives on that show I really love or wives. Um, I was going to say Kenya Moore. She's not a wife. But I do really but like. But she is a housewife. She is a that's housewife. Her title. Yes. That's your title. I don't know. She, I definitely am like enjoying her so much more as of recent. But I don't know if any of the others are like, you know, people I love. But that being said, I also feel the same way about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like, the Real Housewives of New Jersey is rough, right? Yeah, now. it's been such a slog. I mean, this Teresa and Melissa back and forth is just too, too much for me to handle. It's also just not very interesting. No, because it's kind of the same fight over and over. It's just two egos button up against each other. Yeah, and they're both liars. And I don't think the fight is actually about what they're saying the fight is about. And that's my issue with some of these Housewives franchises, you know, is that like they are creating these facades of what the fight is because they can't actually say what the fight is. Like it's obviously in the... Teresa Melissa case like about a lot of stuff which is about like Teresa probably never liked Melissa in the first place but there's also business deals that have gone awry and but it's like we don't get that all we get is just like well I wasn't asked to be in the wedding so I'm not going to go to the wedding and I'm like that's that can't be what's really the fight is about you know no the fight is about the fact that Melissa wanted to be on the show and Teresa was kind of keeping it to herself and then Melissa finally found her way onto the show without Teresa knowing and Teresa was pissed and too convoluted to pretend like nothing happened. Well, that's why they pr- just pretended like this wasn't the fight and all like lie about what really happened. Honestly, New Jersey is guilty of this. And Beverly Hills is really guilty of this. It's about fighting about things that aren't actually the thing you're fighting about fighting about. 
Yeah. Like Lucy Lucy Apple Juice. Like that was not actually about the damn dog. Let loose. Let Lucy Apple Juice. <laughs> apple Juice. No, I agree. And I'm going to say I think that the whole franchise is definitely like reaching a critical point. I think it's pro- I I think we're going to see a lot of these series go the route of Real Housewives of New York soon. That is unless Real Housewives of New York the reboot tanks, uh, which I don't think it will. I just think people will continue to watch and you know Vanderpump Rules, which we're not watching, so you won't be getting the update on that for, from our perspective. We don't watch Vanderpump Rules. One day in the future, maybe we 2026. will. 2026. Who knows? But Who can say? <laughs> but I do think that, um, that yeah, it's going to be um, interesting to see how that reboot does because I think if it does well, I could see them Rebooting attempting a lot that of these for New Jersey. I could see them oh, attempting yeah. that for Atlanta. If, I don't think Atlanta needs it. I think, see, what I like about Atlanta is they actually fight about what they're actually fighting about. I know, but I just don't know if people care about these ladies. Are the ratings not good? I don't think they're, I don't think they're bad. I mean, people care about candy. People care about Kenya. Marlo is giving it. We love having Marlo there making a mess of things. Sheree yeah. is back. I mean, the OG Sheree. I know, but it just all feels like the same. Again, it's starting to feel like the same we're fighting about the same types of stuff over and over. And, you know, I think people say like, well, if we just got like Nini back, it would like, or Portia, it would save the franchise. And I'm like, I don't think any of those things will ultimately like make it better. Strongly disagree. (laughs) But I don't know. We'll see. And I'll be curious to see how Beverly Hills does too, because I think if that also feel like flatlines, then who knows? But, and then I think if they can like just pay all of the like, ex-women like they're doing with new york to just like go on a trip for a week and like satisfy that urge that urge without having to go into months and months of production they might be like fuck it let's just cut our losses and do that and miami kind of feels like the best version because it's kind of a merging of the new and the old they did it so seamlessly that is very true and i think that's why that series is working so well it is i mean they're taking it off peacock and putting it back on bravo and I think that's kind of what they tried to do with New York with Leah and Ebony. And it just, the timing was not right. And the merging of those personalities was, was not right. Um, and Ramona's racism <laughs> was not right. Yeah, just so I think it was just a mess. So I don't know. Anyhow, is there anything more to say on the Real Housewives of it all? Or shall we move on to the real drag queens? No, you're right. There's really nothing interesting that's been happening that's worth unpacking, you know. I mean, I don't need to talk about Teresa's rat's nest hair for her wedding. <laughs> I'm just m- I'm mad that she spent $10,000 on that hair. Like, there are so many other things you should be spending $10,000 on. I know. Looking she, like a Bratz doll is not one of them. She should have gave it to Dana Wilkie, and she could have invested it in the sunglasses. Yeah, totally. It almost got to half of the way there. I know, 25000 25000 Yeah, let's talk about the drag races. Yeah. Well, let's just start with All Stars 8. Okay. Because I imagine if any, most of you out there, if you're watching, if you're watch the drag race, if you're a drag race watcher, you're watching it. We are, we are all caught up and, you know, sadly we lost Mysterian Lake. Hopefully it wasn't a spoiler alert. You should just be watching. Um, In real time. In real time. Uh, a gorgeous queen. Yeah. Just wasn't quite able to harness her talents when the time was, was right. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, as you have said, like, you are playing a very specific game when you go on RuPaul's Drag Race. You're playing, like, the RuPaul game, and it's basically, like, make RuPaul laugh, keep RuPaul interested. And you can be a really talented drag queen and not be necessarily great at that game. And I do think that the last two queens who left, Miss Kasha Davis and Darian Lake, are talented queens. I would have liked to have seen them get to do more because I think they had more to show, but they just don't entirely know how to play RuPaul well. Yeah, whereas Jimbo... Is a genius at playing RuPaul, and so is Heidi in Closet. Yeah. Like, they know how to kind of do that RuPaul thing, which is, like, bring exactly who you are to every challenge, but keep it fresh. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And, um, yeah, I think the the queens who are, like, thriving on this season are the ones who are really kind of, like, in the pocket and I think are just more recently engaged with the exception of Jessica Wilde. Oh, Jessica Wilde. Yeah, who I do think is like doing a really good job because it's I think it is really hard for a queen to come back after a long time. Oh yeah, cuz the game has changed. Yeah, it's changed so much and you have to do so much more. But Jessica Wilde is killing it. She's doing such a good job. I'm so proud of her. I'm really rooting for her. And many, many years ago when I was a little 20 something living in West Hollywood, I got to meet Jessica Wilde. It was, uh, she was out of drag. It was at Mickey's on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was there just to like watch one of the drag shows. And I sat next to her and I just told her how much I loved her. This was fairly recently after uh, her season and she'd gotten kicked off too soon. And she was just so gracious and warm and welcoming and just like a real person. And from, from that moment, I've always been a Jessica Wilde stan. Yes. I've always loved her too. I'm glad to know she's just as lovely. Yeah. Um she's good people. Yeah, and she's definitely like up on my list of people who I'd like to see when I always like like when the OG queens, you know, who are yeah. on some of those first few seasons get to come back and yeah. have a sleigh. Yeah. But I really think it's like Jessica Wilde, Heidi in Closet, and Jimbo. Like these are our front runners, and maybe like there will be a surprise or two. But I don't, I, I don't think like James Mansfield is going to like surprise us. No, and you know I think Kahana Montrese is gorgeous, so gorgeous, and like very fashionable. But the performances, I think you do have to like have some of the like comedy chops to like make it all the way, and I think that's going to be her challenge. And Lala Ria, I think, is actually phenomenal and an amazing, amazing um, contestant in the show. I'm so glad she came back. But, yeah, I struggle to see her going all the way to the end, too. And Alexis then, Michelle is just yeah. trash. Basura. <laughs> Basura. She's a challenging character. But. She's, She's watched a lot of Housewives shows, yes. and it is apparent in the way that she plays the offstage game. Totally. Which is why the producers are probably keeping her around as long as they, they can, because she gives you the drama. Yeah, and she's been giving good runway. Yeah, her looks are her looks are fine. Very they are, polished. They, they're refined, yes. Yeah, very polished. And then there's completely but I'm unpolished. Not are you gagging? Like, I'm always like, oh, that's beautiful, but I'm not like, I'm not shook, you know? Not yet. There's no star power there. I mean, there's definitely been a couple where I'm like, oh, that's really beautiful. But yeah, I guess no, I haven't like gagged per se. Um, but I was going to say, you know, um, on the other side of that polished spectrum is Candy Muse, who is probably one of the most unpolished queens yeah. 
ever. Brandon has a strong disdain for Candy Moose. I've decided Muse. that I hate her. Yeah, Brandon really hates her. I don't hate her no, by I any means. It. I liked her her first season, but this season, I think she is all confidence without anything to back it up. I think the makeup is a train wreck, and I just think she's like loud and brash. She's a tale of sound and fury signifying nothing. <laughs> and I'd say it to her face. Well, I'd say, wow, wow. Then I'd have to support you in the fight. Um, you know what? It's, you just have to hold my earrings. <laughs> okay, then. That's all you have to do, girl. Yes, queen. I think, you know what it is? It's now like in a post-mistress era where we've seen mistress who was also all confidence but actually like had the variety of looks and performances yes. yes to back it up yes now seeing candy come in who like i think is very funny in that like vanji character way yes but it's like you have to give me some range and she doesn't really know how to do that and even i think michelle Visage said on the last episode like yeah you just come in and be you and it's great and yeah, it is it is fun, but like after a while, I'm like, okay, what else? And the same thing with the looks; they're all kind of the same silhouette and just different versions of it. And I'm like, give me like a long gown, give me like something, you know? I mean, she did that kind of cool bubble futuristic thing, though the ass was like in her back, and I was yeah, like, no. that's supposed to be about your butt, and it's it's in your mid back. The execution but, <laughs> was not there, <laughs> but the hair, the fa- the front from the front, I was when she came around, I was like. Oh, cool. She's like coming out here giving me like some interesting club kid. I mean, we've yeah, all but we've, we've seen, seen versions of it. Yeah, we've like, seen the latex bubble. I thing. know. I I think back to like Eureka. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've seen it for sure. Um, but I was like, oh, at least you're giving me a different version of you. And look, everybody loves latex, so I'm not going to trash that. And honestly, a lot of people love Candy Muse. So well, I just think her we personality is vile, and she's always stirring the pot. And I just think she's kind of like the way she's like gaslighting Heidi in closet. Like it's just, I just think there's a lot of mean girl behavior, and and I'm just not here for. It. Well, the drag gods will reveal all. But here's the thing, y'all: if you're not watching Drag Race Espana. You're missing out. <laughs> you know, forget untucked. If I could only get one drag race, if I had to choose, it would be Drag Race Espana. Yeah. It's just so much fun. And there is, I mean, we've been talking about this for episodes and episodes, but there's just an elevated aesthetic that you don't get from the American drag queens because unfortunately what the American drag queens are referencing now is just episodes and episodes and episodes of drag race. It's like the only culture we have is like celebrity culture and the Kardashians. And so everything you see is just basically a ripoff of that. But these Spanish drag queens, they have like hundreds of years of Spanish culture that they're pulling from. And it just makes it so interesting and surprising. And they're so much freer and more sexual. And it's just hilarious to watch them be liberated. Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds some mystery because they will reference people oh, yeah. we and get events, like and we're like, what is that? 20% of the references. What is that? Yeah, but when you do get one, you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. And also, it doesn't really matter because what they're doing with the references is still so entertaining um, that it's okay. And also, the like judging panel is like so engaged, so invested, and like, so 
like heartfelt. Yeah, there's a lot of, of their hearts. There's a lot of real heart. Like yeah. Michelle Visage, her heart hasn't been in this for a decade, if it ever was. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and Carson and Ross, like they're just cashing a check. Well, they plug in and they give their like witty asides. Yeah. I mean, T.S. Madison, thank God. Well, T.S. Madison is saving it as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Living for her. and Rue's looks this season. Yeah, Rue's looks are really our top level. Yeah. But, you know, there's something about just like the familial vibe that exists on Drag Race España. It's also like a 90 minute episode. Like it's so it long. feels like you're watching a movie and they will like spend even like the part where they introduce the jury each episode. Like it's like you five know, minutes long. Yeah. On Drag Race, you know, in the U.S. It's like and Carson, blah, 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 blah. And next up, whereas this they like have full on conversations with each other. It's like so ridiculous. But it also like makes you like it endears you to them. And they're also like kind of old school in the drag race that you're really like getting spending more time with the queens in the workroom. So it feels like you really get to know these these people and like what they're doing and their relationships are so moving and touching and also sexy. There's also just like, well, this season there were a lot of very good looking queens, which is entertaining as well yeah but you know what well let's not talk let's not i don't want to give spoilers because i really want people yes just go in watch just watch it so um you get it on the world of wonder app i think it's like 4.99 a month if you time it you know get it now because there's probably only like four episodes left yeah and you can just binge the ones that have happened up till now yeah and then just stay tuned in every sunday for the new episodes yeah and and let just, us know what you think. Yeah. Let's keep this conversation going. <laughs> the Spiritual Gaze Drag Race Espana Club. Yeah. I'd love to do like a, who we think are the top queens of the season by the end of uh, the season, who we think will win. Um, all right. This has been a supersized dose. So welcome back to anyone who skipped it. And now we're going to take you into a continuation of our Astrology Untucked series. This will be our halfway point if we get to the end of this as we go into a deep dive on the sixth house. If? Yeah, well, you never know. You think we're in a bore? It may. No, I don't know. It's just been a long episode so far. <laughs> Very true. All right, well, then let's get to it. In this episode's Deep Dive. All right, so here we are. The sixth house, everybody. We've done one, two, three, four, five, and the sixth house is the last house we have yet to cover, which is on that lower hemisphere of the chart. And you'll remember that houses one through six are really about your internal or personal development, whereas houses seven through 12, which we'll then cover, are more about how you take yourself out into the world. So there is something really important about the sixth house because it is a completion. It does put a period at the end of this sentence of self-exploration and initiation that begins with the first house of self. Honestly, I would even challenge that a little. Oh, would you? I would. How so? Because I would consider the sixth house to be a bit of a portal. Go on. It's not so much like a completion as like it's a portal from the inner to the outer. You know what? I agree. Remember I had that dream once Hmm. about the sixth house and I woke up 
and I was told that the sixth house is a gateway to the outside. There you have it. So and there you have it. So there you go. Um, but it is a completion of a sense because if you are going outside, you are completing the inside story. So yeah, it is that last house that's below the horizon before we enter into the new world. And it's very much about like, yeah, the completion of like the relationship to the self it is to me kind of like a portal and a gateway because it's where we do start to engage with others and start to broaden our understanding of ourselves through a relationship with others because it is the house that rules like work and service. Yeah. And, you know, so it's all about being, you know, working for others, being in service to others who exist outside of your home, your family. Totally. Your relationship to service professionals. Right. Like how do you treat the plumber, the post office worker, the literal server at the restaurant, you know? Yeah. Or potentially your own employees. Right. Would also fill up the sixth house as well. Yeah. Because it's an extension of the fifth house, which is this creativity or this stuff that we are inspired by, our passion and our play. And then the sixth house forces us to take a little bit more seriously to create some sort of container or structure or form for it so that it can flourish. So maybe we should just talk about like some key words or key themes that the sixth house evokes. Yeah. So certainly service, professionals, um, work. Work for sure. But routine comes to mind. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Because work can fall into routine. And it does feel like it, um, yeah, connects to your your relationship with the routine you create for your, your daily life. Yeah, the work that you do every day. So you might be like a poet or a painter, but if... A candlestick maker. But if every day what you're doing is like babysitting or, you know, like however you make your money, you know, like however you're getting through the day, that's what the sixth house is really representing. Right. But it also is the body. And your health and wellness and fitness. Your fitness. Yeah, all of these things are also part of the sixth house. Working on my fitness. And I think there's something about like the mind-body connection that is firmly rooted in the sixth house. Yeah. So you can look to the sign that you have uh, ruling your sixth house to get a sense of how you approach these things. And also, like, the style of worker um, or routine maker you are. Or just the types of things you need um, when you approach, like, being at work or being in service to other people. Yeah. I think also, like, the sixth house really helps to illuminate your own style of, like, deep self-care. Like, what is nourishing to you and to your body? You know, like, if you have Mars in the sixth house, then it's like you need, like, pretty vigorous exercise. Whereas if you have, like, Neptune in the sixth house, you might need something a little bit more watery or, or dreamlike. Angel's got Uranus in the sixth house. So Angel needs a lot of, like, change of routine. Like, doesn't like to be pinned down. Disruption. Yeah, a lot of disruption. But also... I think Angel experiences a lot of like mysterious physical ailments that kind of pop in and pop out because Every of week. Uranus in the sixth house there. It's yeah. a routine. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this doing What's this? wrong? What's wrong today? Yeah. And doctors say, we don't know. It's your Chiron. It's what it is. At least that's how I'm diagnosing it as. 
I also have Pluto in the sixth house, which I think is why when I do get into a routine of something, it's like very intense. I like, you know, very uh, structured in it. I need to do it every day. I go all in on it, you know, like I was very much someone who was always like put in charge of like keeping spreadsheets at work, you know, and things of that nature and create, I would create systems that like, you know, people would be like, we don't necessarily, would never have thought that this was something that would help us in this creative type of environment. And I'm like, well, here I am showing you that. And then they would become systems that would get put into place and carried on after I left. So I was like creating these systems um, for various places where I worked. Yeah. And I would just like input <laughs> daily and intensely into them. And then my Uranus would be like, we're done. Gotta I'm bored. Go. We're done. Yep. I quit. <laughs> totally. But I do think that word system is a really good word for the sixth house. And I think it's a very ordered place. And that makes sense because we've been through houses one through five. And those have been exploratory to some extent. And by the time you get to the sixth house, you're like you were talking about earlier, like the unspooling. Now you're kind of putting everything back together. Right. You're rolling the thread back onto the spindle. Spool? The thing. You put the thread on. So the more planets you have in the sixth house, the more order is going to be important in your life, but also the more structure you will want to implement in your daily life, maybe more relationships you'll have with service professionals. Like, you know, if you have Jupiter in the sixth house, maybe you're going to have like a big company with a ton of employees, you know, a lot of Jupiter in there. Um, but it also, I think, is important because if somebody is like, I'm not a medical intuitive, but that is a branch of astrology where we use astrology for medical intuition. And definitely the sixth house is a place that we look to just to better understand, like, what is our vitality like? What is our natural resting state of health going to be like? And I think ultimately, like, because it is like this gateway, right, from inside to outside. Mm hmm. And because it is this gateway from the inside to the outside, I think it's important to remember, too, that it is kind of like when we're leaving like the individual behind and recognizing that we are like one within a whole. I was really reminded of this um, just in researching again and like being reminded by Dane Rudyard that in mundane astrology, the sixth house refers to the army. Mm. And all of its disciplines. Mm -hmm. So already, right? Like the army structure, routine, yep. very intense. Right? Very physical. That, yeah, very physical. But also just that like, you know, you lose your sense of separativeness. Yeah, it's in service to something greater. Exactly. Yeah, you become just like this unit in like a larger whole of something. Mm -hmm. So I think that like that's really interesting to consider it from that perspective as well of like really like connecting to that, like that in service of something larger, something greater, which is ultimately what connects it then to the 12th house. It's opposing uh, opposing house, which we'll get to later at the end of the year. Um, but also a portal, you know, I would actually argue that like, the 12th house through the 5th house is the inside, and the 6th house through the 11th house is outside. But that's just me. 
Well, I can't wait to read your thesis. (laughs) When you get your PhD in astrology. Exactly. But what I think you're talking about here is really valuable, which is that both in the 12th house and the 6th house, there is a sense of devotional practices. And how you pray might feel a little bit more 12th house in terms of like the larger cosmology of your spirituality. But the 6th house is the ritual that you do every day, whether that's pulling cards in the morning or a little prayer at night. The sixth house is really your devotional capacity for keeping spirit connected to your life. And sometimes, you know, depending on who you are, and probably not you because you're listening to the Spiritual Gaze podcast, you might not be particularly religious or spiritual, but you have these things that you do every day that keep you connected to yourself, that keep you grounded or what have you. And the sixth house is really the way that you can unpack what those things are for yourself. Yeah. What I think is interesting about it too, is like just to consider that the half, you know, like if you cut a chart in half Mm -hmm. and it's like the horizon line, Mm -hmm. I just love that the sixth house is like, it's almost like magic hour, right? Like, isn't it like close to sunset essentially? Well, no, it's, it's, it's dusk. It's after the sun has set. Oh, oh, right. Because yeah, because so uh, I think we've talked about this, right? That there are three types of houses. There's angular, succeedant, and cadent. Mm-hmm. And the cadent houses, they're the ones that are kind of falling away. And so the sixth house, it's falling away from the seventh house. And we haven't talked about this because that's in the next installment of this. But the seventh house is like your deep one-on-one relationships, the people that are like really important to you. And the sixth house falls away from that. Right, and so that's right. kind of why we're talking about the people who are, and this is not the right word, but I'm going to use it anyways, subservient to you because it's the house that's underneath the seventh house. It's falling away from. So maybe you're the sort of person, and maybe it's because you have Venus in the sixth house, that you develop these like deep relationships with your housekeeper or the person that does your laundry. Sandra Bullock and Crash. Totally. Um, But usually the way in which we engage with those people is a little bit more transactional. And Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of of the sixth house. Um, But the sixth house is also like, you know, healers and massage therapists and acupuncturists and even doctors can be filled up in the sixth house, you know. But for example, Leo rules my sixth house. I like to try to be, and this is like something conscious, the favorite. Like I want to be my doctor's <laughs> favorite. Like I work really hard at it. You know, most people probably don't give a fuck. But like when I go and see like my various doctors, like I go in with like the intention, like I want them to like really like me and to like be the favorite because I have Leo that rules the fucking sixth house. Like I can't help it. You know, I'm curious because this is the first time hearing of this. How does that exhibit? Like, I always make sure I have a cute outfit. I'm always, like, super charming. I just, like, try to, like, I just want to be the favorite of all those people. bring presents. Sometimes, maybe I bring <laughs> presents. But not just, like, my doctors. Just, like, you know, like, I like I can't help but, like, try to bring a Leo-esque charm. Right. Like, I'm always just, like, trying to charm service professionals. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. Like, I remember very vividly during covid and I went to the post office and I had a mask on and I was like trying to like charm the woman that was working there. And then I was like, oh, fuck, like the reason why this isn't working is because like she can't even see half my face. Like I don't have my Leo charm available to me in this exchange. Right. That's so funny. I love that. 
And thinking about mine now, I guess a Libra rules my sixth house, um, which makes sense because I do feel like I get into very like committed partnerships, you know, with my with my service providers. You're also you know? a great tipper. I am a very good tipper, which feels very Libra. Sixth yes. House. But yeah, I really do try to engage. And if I don't feel that kind of like sort of friendly engagement, I'm like, is this the right relationship for me? I'm not sure, you know, but yeah, I always like approach them like I'm in a relationship with them. Unless so like, oh, I'm going to the dentist. I'm going to the doctor. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see so-and-so. And like, do I still want to be with them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And most of the time I do. Until that Uranus is like, and we're done. And we're done. But most service people I stay in long relationships with, actually. Yeah, that's true, you do. Now that I think about it. What about me, who's had the same facialist for over two decades? It's unbelievable. I know, and I can guarantee you, I am her favorite. <laughs> Until I came along. Nuh-uh. I still, I think I still. You are. I'm the highest up there. That's true, but I'm close. But you are. Yeah, she <laughs> loves you. So again, you can look to the sign that's on, uh, you know, the the front end of that chart or of that house to really get a sense of like how you approach it. Yeah. And if you have multiple signs, like, so this is something that maybe is interesting for you. So my sixth house is very interesting because it starts with Leo. Then all of Virgo is intercepted within it. Oh, right. And then it actually finishes with the first few degrees of Libra. So I actually have three signs that make up my sixth house. And so all of those energies are kind of at play. Now, I have no planets there natally, but just having three different sign energies and then the planets that they're answering to, right? So for Leo, it's my Aquarius sun. For Virgo, it's my Mercury and Aquarius. And for Libra, it's my Venus and Aries. Like that's all at play in my sixth house. And again, it's not just how I relate to other people, but it's how I relate to routine, you know, like mm-hmm. I need my routine to be flashy at first. I need a Leo routine, you know, like I got to light the incense. It's got to look good. Um, there's like a performative quality to it. And then once I finally get into that Virgo, like I'm in there, it's deep, like it's thorough. Right. Can you get lost in the details? Well, that's it, the thing about it's intercepted. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So an intercepted sign, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but if you work with Placidus as your house division system, if you work with other house division systems, then this isn't going to apply, especially whole sign astrology. Sorry, not sorry. But in Placidus, you're going to sometimes have signs that are fully swallowed up within a house, like I just explained for myself personally. And it will always be in a set. So Virgo is swallowed up in my sixth house and Pisces as the opposite sign is swallowed up in my 12th house. And so an intercepted sign is a sign energy that's a little harder to feel because it's kind of swallowed up there. So it's like a bunker. It takes me a little bit more time and energy to get in there. But once I'm in there, I really want to stay there and it takes me more time and energy to get out of there. So like when I, like when I work out, I usually am going to work out for 90 minutes. I'm not going to work out for like 45 minutes because once because it takes me 20 minutes just to get in there, to move through the Leo and get into the Virgo. And by the time I'm in there, I don't want to leave. And the same is true for all of my spiritual ritual work in the 12th house as well. Like it takes me a little longer to get my mojo up, but once I get it, I really want to stay there and be there as long as I can. So you might just start to explore for yourself in your chart like, oh, do I have any signs that are intercepted? 
Um, because especially if you have planets in those signs that are intercepted, those planetary energies might be a little bit harder for you to feel at first. Right. It's like a sleeping baby in the backseat of your car. It's like, if you don't know they're there, you might forget they're there. Oh God. And then you go into the grocery store. No, don't even avoid that. That's a terrible, <laughs> that's a terrible. I don't analogy. mean, I just mean like you forget, you know, like you just like, cause they're sleeping cause they're quiet cause they're behind you. Oh my God. What a horrible image you've evoked. I don't think it was that bad. Yeah. It's like a sleeping cat in the back of your car. You forget the cat's there. On a hot day. No, you're not going to forget it on a hot day. (laughs) You just got me. I think I just blew out the microphone. Oh, no. Got me so upset. I'm sorry. Well, your analogy got me upset. So maybe instead of talking about signs... Let's talk about planets in the sixth house and how that might express. Um, If you have no planets in the sixth house, like yours truly, then look to the sign to give you a sense of how you might approach all of these things. But if you have the sun in the sixth house, then you definitely might be somebody who is compelled to areas of service. You might find yourself like as a doctor, as an acupuncturist. Maybe you work in like government. Um, these are very sixth house things. Yeah, you'll really feel like your soul's calling is in service, but also perhaps in these areas of like health, fitness, you know, things of that nature can also like, yeah, play a very specific role, right? Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if your moon's in the sixth house, then you're definitely somebody who's going to take care of yourself through the physical. And I imagine that your emotional needs start to manifest physically. So like if you aren't doing well in your heart, then you're pretty soon going to start doing poorly in your body as well. And maybe the way that you take care of your emotions is through taking care of your physical body. So that's definitely something to be aware of. Yeah. Like your emotional life is really invested in, in your routine as well, right? Like a challenge to the things you want to get done could completely derail your emotional <laughs> like sensibility. Right, totally. You know, because it's just as like, no, but I must yeah. like complete this. Yeah, you know, like I'm only as good as what I've like gotten done that day to some degree. But really important if you have that moon in there too. Yeah, like you said, like you know, similarly, like to really like on a daily basis, like take care of your emotional needs. Yeah. Cause I think moon in the six means that like everything you're feeling gets stuck in your body. Um, right. I saw this thing on Instagram that really drove me crazy. It was like six ways to tell if you have trapped emotions in your body. And I wanted to respond like, how about just one? If you have a body, <laughs> like <laughs> everyone has stored emotions in their body, like totally. And I don't think you ever release all of it because you always are having new emotions. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I think this is just for everyone, but especially moon in the six house people, like right. some sort of somatic practice that you do pretty much daily, you know, is very useful so that you don't have a backlog of stuff that then manifests physically. Totally. You're like, girl, please. All right. Mercury in the sixth house lists to do lists (laughs) lists yeah yeah i think it's like you know perhaps really like overanalyzing too and overthinking your routine like to the point where maybe you actually don't get things done because you're just kind of stuck in your head about the things that want to get done um but you also may just like be really like Someone who's just like mentally immersed in the need to 
take care of others and to be in service, always thinking about other people's needs. Yeah. Maybe very chatty too, like always inquiring, like, how are you doing? Right. And I also feel like journaling. Journaling feels like a very like Mercury in the sixth house sort of thing. That's a great way to express it. Yeah. To move through it. Venus in the sixth house, we already talked about a little bit, which is maybe there is a a deeper relationship with some of those uh, people uh, that kind of populate your life. But I also think Venus in the sixth, those people value health and wellness maybe above all else. You know, like health is wealth and we kind of forget that like if you are not well in your body, nothing else really matters. Girl, I know it. But I think Venus in the sixth house people, that is something they're always aware of and they're kind of always tending to the vessel that is their body so that their spirit can enjoy this time on earth. Yeah. And maybe you marry a doctor. Hey. Maybe you fall in love with a bureaucrat. Married to medicine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Here you come. Venus in the sixth. Uh, Mars in the sixth, you know, these are people that need to be taking action every day, Um, maybe a little aggressive in terms of how you're dealing with those people that are making your life a little bit easier. So just be aware of that. And she's just busy. She's very busy. I got a lot of energy. Yes, indeed. And has to move it every day. Yes, for sure. Uh, If you have Mars in the sixth and you do not feel like you have a lot of energy, then that's definitely something to look at because natally you do have the potentiality to be someone that has incredible vitality. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you borrowed against Peter to pay Paul. So you got to like figure out like maybe you are in like a nourishing phase before the next one. But generally speaking, you know, Mars in the six, that's somebody who you want them as a friend because they will get things done for you. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. And also really good leaders in fields of service, right? In fields of health, fitness, maybe people who are like on the front end of like new ways of doing things, new ways of approaching service industries. Um, or, you know, anything along those lines. Yeah. And I always look at Mars as like, how do you get energy too? not just how you spend your energy? Right. So sometimes like people with Mars in the six get energy from being really busy. Like it excites them, you know? So again, if you're Mars in the six and you're feeling kind of sluggish, maybe it's because you don't have enough to do and you need to, you need to bite off a few more things to kind of get you your engine going again. All right. Jupiter in the six. So Jupiter in the sixth, definitely, like I said before, you could like have a business with a lot of employees or, you know, a a lot of uh, service professionals that you require. There's also something here about like health and wellness and your body and even just like the outdoors in general, like being teacher to you. So that's important just to be aware of. Um, You know, Jupiter sometimes can be overwhelming. And even though Jupiter is a planet that wants to bless us. Sometimes the way that we get blessed is through having to overcome some struggles. And so people with Jupiter in the six might sometimes find that they have a lot of health issues or things that they have to overcome so that they can have a deeper and better relationship with their body. Yeah. Well said. Whereas then you have Saturn in the sixth house, which is someone who needs real intense structure, you know, more than anything. And maybe be like, and could potentially be like overzealous in the structure around their their body, you know, and their health, um, where they're rest- like maybe overly restrictive or things of that nature. Yeah, so like needing some kind to of be like a sta- a, 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 kind of like an aesthetic yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, so needing to be really aware of that and not, you know, force yourself into 
too rigidly structured routine. Yeah. You know, or outlook on life. Yeah. Um, Because ultimately you can be someone with real power. Oh my gosh. And service. Incredible. To others. An incredible work ethic, an incredible discipline, but make sure that it's not at the detriment to your own physical well-being. Yeah. Sometimes like all the restriction actually makes us ill as opposed to well. Right, right. And so finding that balance. And then Uranus, as we talked about. Yeah, I talked about it. So always changing up the routine. Also, like, there is a, a lack of consistency, which is nourishing for you. And so, again, this is, like, why we like astrology. Because for somebody who's got, like, Saturn in the six, they need that consistency. Whereas for you, with Uranus in the six, you're like, no, no, no. Like, I need a different routine every week or every season because that's what keeps me actually present to what's going on in my body or... I like to try, you know, different dry cleaners around my neighborhood just to see what that's like. Or um, there's no there's no sense of like loyalty there necessarily, but that's not a bad thing. That's what keeps things novel for them. Yeah, engaging with the outside world is an experiment with Uranus in the sixth. So giving yourself that ability to yeah engage with things differently is really important and you know the lesson i've learned with it is don't beat yourself up if you don't have the like traditional career path because i know society tries to create that and structure that for us so we all go into our lives thinking i have to find the career path and follow it um, as it's been written but with uranus there you are truly writing it and need to give yourself the full reign to do so and invite the changes that come with that and as they want to come. But again, also weird body shit. So just keep it good, keep it tight. You can start a support group for people. (laughs) Totally. Uranus in the six. I would love to hear. I would love if you have Uranus in the six and you get weird body shit, let me know. Neptune in the sixth. Devotion to spirituality needing a really strong spiritual foundation and ways to tap into it on a daily, weekly, routine basis. And also people who can be really in service to others on a spiritual, metaphysical level, you know, and also on a creative level. You know, Neptune is very visionary. So it's being able to bring your sense of vision to the work you do every day but also delusionary and so there might be a touch of like hypochondria that is very prevalent with uh with neptune in the sixth yeah no that's fair but also shade no it's like is this a real issue or is this just my neptune in the sixth right and then pluto pluto which i also mentioned too um having had that as well it's just bringing a real intensity to the things you do it's like discovering uh you know, a certain workout routine and then just like following it dogmatically. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's like, an amazing ability for commitment. Completely. Yeah. So once you like find something you love to do on a daily, weekly basis, you're like, I am here. I am in it. I will be going to this class until the end of time or until it ends or until I'm bored. You know, so it just is like, yeah, really strong commitment to what it is you do. But again, also power is Pluto. So people who can hold places of power in 
certain types of service industries or at work. So making sure that you don't wield your power in those places in some way that takes advantage. Yeah, some tyrant at the bank. But you know who you are. But I do think that the relationship between the sixth house and the tenth house, which again, we'll talk about in the future, but the tenth house is more about like your career and your legacy, whereas the sixth house is that work that you do every day. But I think about that quote that goes something like, a year from now, you'll be glad you started today. And the sixth house is really about like the manageable bites, the pieces, the commitment every day to building the thing that you will be known for or or that house that you will then get to live in. Yeah. And so all of these planets and all of these signs give you insight into how you're able to build your your dreams, build your influence bit by bit every day. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens, like they always talk about like, um, well, there's really no such thing as an overnight success. Like I've been working for a really long time and it's just that people started to pay attention. But the working for a really long time when nobody's paying attention, that's the sixth house. Unless it's ruled by Leo, in which case you need everyone to pay attention. (laughs) All the time. So there you have it. That is the sixth house in a spiritual gaze nutshell. So we hope you enjoyed that. And we're halfway through. We are now entering the portal. Good for us. Talk about bit by bit. Putting it together. That's what counts. (laughs) All right. And now um, we're going to all kind of relax Lean back and prepare yourselves for this episode's tarot card. All right, Cosmic Queelers, here we go. Just take a moment and connect to the cards by listening in to the sound of them being shuffled. Just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. We're just asking for one card to help us move forwards through all these energies until we meet again. Ah, the King of Wands. Oh. Wow. So the King of Wands is you with the force of fire. And it's a reminder, as Angel talked about earlier, that there really is no wall. There is no thing stopping you from everything that you want to achieve and do. And this is a card that signifies your ability to be the power over other powers, to assert yourself and to organize those influences, those things that you need. There is a sense of magic here, your ability to channel your charisma and your ideas and also to get other people to come on board for you. And I do think that just astrologically, there is this really big thing that's happening, which is Jupiter and the North Node coming together. I think it happens like a day or two before this podcast comes out maybe, but that's still resonant because both of those things move slowly. And it's like bringing in the people that are going to help you. I always think of the King of Wands kind of like a conductor of like a great symphony. And it's like the conductor is important, but you also need all of those other players. Or if you're like the director of a film, like you're not responsible for building the set. You're not responsible for making the costume, but you are responsible for talking to each of the department heads and making sure that the vision is aligned, that everybody's on the same page. And at the end of the day, it's your vision because you are the King of Wands. And so I think that until we meet again, what's really important is for you to think about what is the big vision for your life and who's going to help you bring it forwards and where has maybe the vision that you're already working on gotten a little like flabby or loose or disorganized, unspooled, if you will, and you need to (laughs) call it back together. But the King of Wands shows up to say like you are more powerful than you're even aware of. 
And that is something that I've been hearing just kind of like in all the corners of the universe that we forget how powerful we are as human beings. Like we are so powerful and we're not used to seeing power used well, but that doesn't mean that it can't be used well to heal, to grow, to nourish and nurture. So just take some time to see if you can remember deep in your body how powerful you are and then align it with what you want to do. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. That really got Hallelujah. me. Hallelujah. I'm a freak. I'm a freak. Hallelujah. <laughs> what is that song? Shop shooter. Oh my God. It's Smiley Cyrus. Oh yeah. She got the power. power. I come up on my freedom. I came back up to, to get me some. Must be something in the water. Mother, mother, mother's mother's daughter. daughter. That uh, mother's daughter. Yeah. Oh. Here we were talking about our mothers. Yes. Also sad to hear that Miley Cyrus isn't going to tour for this album. I was like, I remember at the beginning of this year, I was like, if I go, if I'm only going to see one concert this year, it's going to be Miley Cyrus. I've well, always wanted to see her. And now I'm seeing every concert, but Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. I know. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not seeing every concert. Almost. Almost. I'm trying. You know what? You take advantage. Can we just have a moment of like beauty and peace and recognition for the life that it was Tina Turner. Oh, Tina Turner. I just want to like give a great shout out of blessings for the life of Tina Turner, please. I was talking to friends and saying that Tina taught me when she retired to go see your divas live when you have the opportunity because you don't know how long they're going to be here. And you don't want to have missed out on just getting to like bask in their radiance and also just like bask in the community of people who love that person and love the music and being in that music. And I loved Tina Turner's music. I discovered her when I was young and um, went and saw What's Love Got to Do With It multiple times in the theater, had had Tina Turner's box set. Like I was deep in Tina Turner. I've always been in Tina Turner. She was like our Jupiter diva. And so just big shout out and love to Tina Simply the motherfucking best. Rest in power. Yes, queen. So, yeah, go see your divas. Um, and, you know, maybe we're some of your divas, too. So if you always want to visit us, you can at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. I was like, are we going on tour? <laughs> I'd love to go on tour someday. That would be someday. so fun, honestly. Yeah, you know, but we're not there yet. No. Um, But maybe we will someday. Um. But yeah, you know, if you do want to engage with us in any way, uh, yes, our website, thespiritualgaze.com, shows all of our offerings on it. Um, We have our monthly offerings as well as readings. You can also find us on Instagram at thespiritualgaze, spelled correctly. Beware of the scammers. No scammers, please. We're still on Twitter as thespiritualgaze. I don't know why, but we're still there. What are you going to do? And we're on TikTok. We are on TikTok, and so shout out to everyone who's found us on TikTok. We love you. Thanks for being here, and yeah. thank Angel for managing the TikTok because I, I don't even have it on my phone. <laughs> Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.